Ready? Born ready. I'm just a soul whose intentions are good. Oh, Lord, please don't let me be misunderstood. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Welcome to another episode, podisode of cool and conscious Dang. i am super excited because we have a special guest um of course <clears throat> i am your host um at questions with Cree on social media and cool and conscious on social media um but we have a special guest today this was unannounced uh, meaning i did not tell you last week that we were gonna have a guest this week <laughs> um but we do have a guest and i'm very very excited i'm gonna just tell you his name and then let him give a little bit about himself. And then we are going to get, um, we're going to get started. So, wait, 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 not yet, not yet. So, um, Coach, that is his name. His name is Coach. But before we get started, Coach, every episode we do something where we tell the audience if we're feeling cool or conscious. Mm, my check. <laughs> I'm definitely feeling conscious. Okay. Like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Super conscious. Okay. Let's get it. Yeah. Now, drum roll, please. I'll tell you guys how I'm feeling. I'd say I feel how coach feels. I feel extremely 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 conscious um so i think that this is going to be a great pot of so just because already we are in um we're in the zone right i'm like already we are thinking alike so coach tell them a little bit about yourself by introduction uh rashid coach mccall professionally i own a company called opposition research investigative and protective services on the investigative end i deal with a lot of um, human right cases so a lot of these cases that you see on the news where our people are getting shot down mm. i investigate those cases right and i try to put those individuals typically law enforcement in jail for the crimes that they commit against our people. I want to give a shout out to Jamari and Robinson. Mm -hmm. That's one of my un, um, unresolved cases. And they mm. just, those those U.S. Marshals Task Force, right? They just got indicted uh, this year for that brother's death back in 2015. So I want to shout out to Monteria uh, Robinson. She been fighting. I mean, fighting. Like, like a warrior, like, you know, for years. So. Ooh. You know, we, 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 you know, we're not at the finish line right now. You know what I'm saying? On the other end, you know, um, of what I do, you know, I, I, I do a lot of, um, capital, uh, murder cases, death penalty cases, all of the high profile cases coming out of Atlanta from the East point sniper to Alameen, um, to Brian Nichols. Um, yo, mm. those are my cases. Those are my cases. That's on the investigative end. On the security end, I run executive protection teams around the country to protect executives in this social justice space against great bodily harm, death, 
and public embarrassment. So my teams are out there. I want to give a shout out to those teams that I have out there in the field to make sure that um, there's never, ever another Malcolm. There's never, ever, right, So how do you do that? Um, Because I do know that, and first I do want to thank you for what you do um, because I know that. Appreciate that. Jamarian's case, I know I've been to countless protests um, just saying his name. Yes. Um, Countless protests just saying different Atlanta cases that people have nothing, they know nothing about. Kevin Um, Kevin Davis. And at some point, your mind does begin to wear. Yes, Um, it does. And so I just want to say thank you just for Mm. even being diligent um, in that in that aspect. Now, when you mentioned, so there's never another Malcolm or there's never another Martin or there's never another like Marta in a sense, how can you, or how are you ensuring that? Because from what I have seen in like the documentaries and I could like the documentaries could be wrong, you know, they're the, it was the people that were close to them that, infiltrated or that were in, infiltrated and ultimately infiltrated the leader. So how is it Cointel that, Pro. how do you say, Oh, how do you protect me from my sister? You know, or how do you protect me from my brother or my cousin? If they're with me every day, they've grown up with me. You get what I'm saying? Like I could see immediate danger, right. but the people that the reason why those leaders were killed was because the people close to them, you know? So you being a, a professional how the hell are you protecting us from people who we trust? You know? <laughs> One word, two words, three words, maybe four. Know your history, right? Um, because if you don't, we're bound to repeat, repeat it. it right? right. So when we talk about COINTELPRO, right, when we talk about agents of repression, when we talk about um, FOIA, right, the Freedom of Information Act, we have to understand where we come from. We have to get in touch with those, with those elders, right, who are still alive, not ancestors yet. We got to go sit at their feet, right, to get those lessons so that we could carry forward. And that's what I did as a young person. You know, not only did I do that, but I was snatched up and trained by those individuals who went through those times, right? So... You know, that history component of who we are is so important. You know, that 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 is why, in part, I, I was instrumental, along with other students, in creating, right, the Department of African American Studies at Georgia State University back in the 90s, an institution that is still pumping out information on our culture, on who we are, on our past and where we need to go, right? So just look at Georgia State University, look at the African-American Studies Department, look at that institution that we built 30 years ago to this year, right? To create that foundation, to create that legacy for the next generation coming up. Because without understanding our history, yo, we don't understand where we're going. Right. Now me (laughs) being a, a Georgia State grad, I personally didn't like the African American studies uh, <laughs> classes that I took. I felt like they, 
I just don't feel like they were a great bridge. Right. While they did provide me with information, they did provide me with history. I feel like from the professors, from the way that they taught, like I did not retain it. You get what I'm saying? And it's like for the new generation, right. it's about like creativity. Oh, yeah. Like no <laughs> unfortunately, no our attention spans are like super that like super minute. And right. so I feel like Everybody, while I have a sense of consciousness, my classmates, I know that they retained little or nothing from the classes that we took. And it's like, how do we even get that? How do we get people engaged to be concerned about their history so they don't repeat it? Or how do we even get in contact with those elders? Because, I mean, I know... I don't know where to find y'all. Not even trying to be funny, but I don't know where to... I went to so many protests and it's like, I would have loved to have like met and... I don't really like saying the word elder. I mean, I know that that's like a thing, but I would have loved to met have met someone who was like an expert or who had done what I had already done so I can go to them and get some knowledge. So like, how do I... Where y'all at? When I when I was coming up, um, we call them cubs. You know, I was born in Oakland, California, mm -hmm. 1973. So I was born in storm, mm. right? When I was coming of age, all the cubs, all the children of parent of, of Panthers were assembling in the AUC, were assembling at Emory, were assembling at wow. Georgia State. So it was a very powerful moment in time, right? when we came back together. Wow. And some of us didn't even know each other, right? Wow. And we're coming off the cusp of the Rodney King Rebellion, right? So my introduction to college was coming up, up, coming off the martyr train into chaos mm. because of the Rodney mm -hmm. King verdict, only to enter college and have them write niggas inner on a trash can and place that on fraternity row, which we took over the school after that, yo. We took the school over. Georgia State University, we, we shut it down. We went up to the president's office, kicked the whole staff out, and came up with a plan. And back during that time, we didn't have the benefit and of, see that's what i'm talking about that's the type of shit i be trying to be on but oh, so, you know what i'm saying yeah, like but i'm just recounting what my experiences were like right and what led to this department that you know, we may need to revamp. Because why don't I know that? You get what I'm saying? Like, that, that, as a graduate of Georgia you're, State, you're a black graduate, a black Delta, right. I, that's something I should know. That's something that you should know. And does I know, I could, what? I'm like, are you sure it's at Georgia State? Because are you sure? Even now, they took the sorority row, fraternity, that's gone. It's a wrap. And it's like, how... Do you realize what the Greeks do for this campus alone? Right. Just the Greeks. Yeah. Or the black students. Like, and you have the audacity to take that away. And there has been no rebellion. There has been no let's kick down the president who is black. We, there's, there's been none of that. So it was patent before him. Yeah. I don't, it needs to be unpatent. Yeah. He's here yeah. now. So let's fix it, you know? And the fact that 
people don't know that you had the 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 courage and the ability and like-minded people like you and y'all did that and y'all sat down and made a plan that is the problem and executed and right. executed like i i'm still in disbelief that that happened at georgia state <laughs> yeah, yeah. so you know we we you know we have to um be able to understand the history we have to be able to tell the history you know uh Kathleen Cleaver, right? One of the legendary women, women revolutionaries of all times here, Atlanta, Georgia, taught at Emory Law, right around the corner from us, less than three miles, right? One of my mentors. I was raised and trained by Geronimo Jijaga, also known as Geronimo Pratt, 27 years in prison for a crime he didn't commit because he dared to teach our people about not our civil right to self-defense, right? But our human right to self-defense because there's a clear distinction mm -hmm. between someone giving you the right to protect yourself, your family, and your community, and you being born in this universe, not on this earth, but in this universe to say and to stand on ground and say, I'm going to protect myself my woman, my babies, and my community. And that is so much so much more powerful than thinking that you have some so-called civil rights. And that is what those elders gave to us. And we just started to create a world out of that so we could stand on our own too. So like, so, so mm. events like Buffalo would never happen again because that was my... In my heart, right, when I was coming up, when I was being trained, when I was snatched up by these elders, that was my charge. My charge was to never allow these atrocities, these assassinations to happen again. And that has been my life's work. Mm. So how or what do you feel like because I mean, I'm an alumni of Georgia State, alumni, alumni. I don't know how you say it, but <laughs> yeah, they kicked me out. They mailed me my diploma. So, and they, they could have did that with me too, honestly. Because right, right. I, I'm, well, Keith can tell you I am with it, and I, I have seldomly ever found any any like-minded people. And so I'm looked at as the the radical or the right. crazy one. And right. I'm like, but y'all, yeah. y'all, we can't say no justice and we giving them peace. It don't make sense. It just doesn't make sense for me. Um, but what, if anything, can be done to at least get the chapter rooms back? Like, I know you said since it was patent before he got there, does that mean like, okay, it's... You can't get them back um, because I know some of my line sisters were saying like, okay, they were trying to fight for like Greek housing, right. but I'm like, housing where? Like, you know how long it's going to take? The rooms are there right now. Why right. can't we simultaneously do both? Okay. Have the room. And then when we get the house, have the house, you right. know? Right. Um, so is there anything that we can do? Um, anything that I can take back to my line sisters? Because I have expressed to them how important advocacy is for me. And I've asked them, okay, this may not be y'all's lane, but I really need more of y'all's support. 
And I feel like being that our line is under reconstruction mm. Um, mm. and we're trying to come back to a place of unity, right. I feel like this would be a, a great stance that we could take. Um, if again, there is something that you think we could do to restore at least our chapter room, like, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, principally you're on the right path in terms of advocacy. Um, you also have a national chapter, right? Mm. You're, 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 you're fighting on the individual front, but also think about that national chapter. Also think about the other chapters in the area, because one of the things that, you know, when we shut Georgia State down, not only that is did, so beautiful not to only me. <laughs> did, not only did we rely on the students at Georgia State, but we relied on Morehouse. We relied on Spelman, Morris Brown at the time, Clark Atlanta University, Atlanta Metropolitan, Emory, right? We built alliances with all of those schools to be able to effectuate change. My responsibility was to shut down the general classroom building. And at that point in time, that was the tallest building on campus. And we just went from the ground floor all the way up to the top floor, shutting every single class down. So what does that mean, shutting down? Y'all kicking them out, oh, yes, like clearing yes, the building? Yes, the class is over. We're taking over campus right now. You have two choices. You could go home or you could join us in Sparks Hall. And that's when Eldrin Bell called in the SWAT team on us. And rest in peace, Joe, Joseph Lowry, he came to our aid, fed us, and he helped to negotiate a, 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 a peaceful surrender of the school back to the state. And out of that, we got the African-American Studies Department, right? We got more minority faculty and staff and we got support services for that staff. That is great. That so, is that is history. That is history that I knew nothing about. Like, oh. It's buried in the chronicles like, of what they used to call the signal, the newspaper. That, you know, when you, I don't know if they had it um, when you went, but we had to take a GSU 1010 class. That should, it was a freshman class where you have to learn everything about Georgia State. That should be taught there. Or even in yeah. our African-American studies, that should be taught there. Because yeah. what? Had no idea. I publicly denounced Georgia State because I well, feel like it that, was not a good institution. But, but you have to realize, right, that's the microcosm, right? But when you look at the macrocosm and the discussions that folks have been having around the country it has been around this critical race theory. Mm -hmm. It's been around this replacement theory. So they are systematically hushing our voices. Oh yeah. Right? Oh, definitely. I feel hushed just not even knowing it. Like you're a legend, like a Georgia state legend. Like, and I get why they would silence you and, and because you're sparking ideas because I'm ready to go up to the campus now, but I know that if I want results, it has to be strategically. It has to be strategic. Um, it and has it has to be, to be thought, right, thought Absolutely. out and planned. Yeah. But it's also just like- The art of war. It's like, dang, I can do that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, 
who would ever think to take over a university? I mean, I know that they did it at Howard for the oh, dorms. No doubt, no doubt. But it's like... And that wasn't the first time. Because Howard took over their university several years before we took over Georgia State University. And it just happened again. Right. I know right. about it happening again. Because I sent a team up there. One of my teams were up there with one of our clients. And we went and talked to the students. And, you know, it was a whole op. So, you know, wow. we, we, we stand in solidarity. You know, we're still touching these schools. Um, and these, you know, the, the, the progressive thoughts that come out of these experiences, right? Um, that's our job. That's our responsibility to give back to the next generation, to, to help make this world a better place than the one that we received. And, and you know, you guys are up. Like, we try to give you everything that we have. All our, you know, our, in terms of our resources, our experiences, all that. And it's coming down, it's, it's, it's flowing down you know, from one generation to the next. Well, I personally receive it, okay? I am, like, let's say my mind is in a frenzy over here right now, like, because I'm just, I feel so inspired, like, and, and I will admit, when I was a student, I was not conscious. Mm. I was conscious in my subconscious right, right, right. but I was not openly conscious um, because I had a very cool job um, mm. and I was a radio personality okay. and and I um, I was young 1920 like I didn't know how to have the balance that I have now right, right. and it was just like I mean who who's gonna be the lone soldier like <laughs> so it's just like I see that happening but I'm not why would I say something like you know like it was that um but it was all that passion that fire it was always there um and so now just even speaking to you and hearing like you changed the university for the better it's like I'm I'm just so like amazed right now. <laughs> like I'm literally speechless. Like that is so cool to it's, me. Like it's it's cool. And then I just found the article and I didn't even know the like so the sigmas had something to do with like helping. Like Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, the sigmas, the kappas, the deltas, right? It's like, a, even that energy. Oh, like yeah. I'm just like that? like that I have chills literally just knowing that I went you know how they have like, oh, the the famous alumni that went to this school. Right. I look at Georgia State alumni and I'm like, I don't give a rat's poot about any of these people. But knowing that I went to the school that you went to, it's like, oh my gosh. Like that just speaks, you better make me cry. Like it really speaks volumes because like I said, earlier trying to find the elders, it's mm -hmm. been so hard for just me personally trying to find them right, because right. moving from the industry of entertainment yeah, is yeah. my elders, they follow a different code, right, you know? Right, right, right. <clears throat> and so now that I'm balancing both industries to an extent, it's like, how do I still find those people that I can call on and, and they can pour into me on a conscious level or call on they can pour into me on a cool level so I can be that bridge yep. so people aren't 19 and 20 seeing things that they should be speaking up on but because they feel that they're too cool they can't be conscious absolutely and you just like 
And that's why we're here. Wow. That's wow. I'm here. like, wow, wow, wow. Mm-hmm. Wow, wow, wow. Um, wow. No, that's that's dope. Like when I say I am just wowed. No, that's that's dope. <laughs> no, that's 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 dope. Um now to, to piggyback off of what you was talking about earlier, um, and you kind of mentioned mm, it. Right. Everybody was uh quick, you go let the people know like about Buffalo and um the shooting. Right. So occurred. you briefly mentioned Buffalo and for those of you who may or may not live under a rock and have no idea that there was a mass shooting in Buffalo, there was a mass shooting in Buffalo. Um and the shooter was white. Um and he had racist slurs written on his um gun or weapon. Um and the video it literally in my opinion is like a video game. Like, and I don't even play video games, but from the way that it is angled, he literally pulls up and just starts firing. And he, it is clear that he is targeting colored people um, because later on in the video, he runs across a white person and they scream. He says, oh, sorry, and then runs the other way. As if he knew that, oh, I wasn't trying to kill this person. So he went in there with intentions and he has like a, what what is it? 180 page, like manifesto manifesto of why he did this and, and the whole replacement theory you mentioned earlier. And he's going on this whole, like, I don't even want to say a tangent, but it is very detailed as to why he did it, what his goals were. Um, And didn't he have like a standoff with the police or something like that? Yeah. I, I believe at one point, he had threatened to kill himself, pointed the gun at his at himself, and you know for whatever reason he stood down. But I think it's indicative of, um, and it's ironic that we we're talking about this right on the cusp of the Malcolm X Festival. You know, every year here in Atlanta, the West End, you know, May twenty first and twenty second, the Malcolm X Festival, and Malcolm said, right back during his day when he was alive. This is an indication of the chickens coming home to roost. And what that mean is, or what that meant is, and it's also relevant today, is that the violence that America espouses all over the world is eating itself from inside. These are the chickens that are coming home to roost. This is the violence that is being exported all throughout the the world, from critical race theory through uh, to the replacement theory. And these folks, you know, these folks are picking it up and they're acting this out in real time, right? The last incident that provoked this type of anger and this type of emotions was the church shooting, mm. right? And this is going to continue to happen. That's why we train. That's why I tell my people that there are no days off, period. Whether you three years old or whether you 76 years old, there is no days off. Can I ask you a question? Um, do you feel like we are at war? As We've been people? at war. This is it. We're in a civil war. It's a low intensity civil war Mm -hmm. that we are engaged in. Make no mistake. Right. Make no mistake. 
And if we live in Atlanta, we're in the matrix, y'all. Step your ass outside of Atlanta and bring bring your ass back to reality. We live in the mother. We live in the matrix. I say, I literally kid you not. I say that all every time on this, on this podcast, because again, going from radio, you think one thing just because you're surrounded by black people, but I unfortunately was assaulted by a police officer and not like accrediting him assaulting me to my consciousness, but he knocked a little sense into me. Mm. <laughs> I'm not saying he was justified in what he did. Right. Um, because it, it brought a lot of like trauma to me. Right. Um, but it also knocked me out of that matrix wow. um, that I was, I was in, I was in the rat race. I was, I was cool, you know, right. and I was conscious. Right. I still had it in me because so many people that I used to work with are like, where did this come from? Where did this come from? Like, why are you, why are you doing all this? And I'm like, y'all, it's been there. It's been there. I just, I wasn't sick enough. I wasn't sick and tired enough, but right, now right. I'm sick and tired enough. And now you don't hear what I got to say. Yeah, <laughs> we yeah. can't figure it out. But it is crazy that you and I sit on like two totally different realms of life. Um, in two totally different realms of, of like generations. Right. And for you to know that there's a matrix and for me to know that there's a matrix and know that outside of Atlanta, there is a low, slow brewing civil war, but Atlanta is so Atlanta and for the culture, they can't see it coming and Atlanta is going to be where it strikes first. Oh yeah. It's like, Damn. Wake up. Wake up. Like. Wake up. Like, damn. Dude, like, what? You know? Like. So we, uh, we do have the video here. We're going to play it, have the expert kind of break it down as we play it. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, kind of explain to us what's going on, but also, like you're saying, how to stay aware and be on your pivot, you know, and how some of this could be uh prevented. And, and I want to add. Because I know you mentioned earlier that you do teach people how to work with guns and how to keep their head on the swivel in a sense. Situational awareness. And right. So basically keeping your head on the swivel is like knowing what's going on at all times for the people that don't know about the swivel. Um, So if I am a conscious person at this particular grocery store, can you point out and tell me like if I was there, what I could have done? Um, if, if anything, if anything, yeah, you know, this is a heavy lift, you know, the, the video is starting. Um, he's talking to himself. He's, he's gaining the courage to get up. Uh, the weapon that he's using is an AR 15. Mm-hmm. looks like a 20 inch, um, mm-hmm. version. <clears throat> he has tactical gloves on. Um, so what are tactical gloves like? Just like um, heavy duty gloves. Yeah, these are heavy duty gloves that will protect uh, your hands from getting um, cut, from cut abrasions, oh, okay. the whole nine glass. Okay. Uh, he has a ballistic helmet on, uh, attached to that helmet. So if he, you know, if we headshots, you know, if, if it's a ballistic helmet or uh, which is a little different from a bump helmet, it would protect his head. Um, 
Like a bulletproof helmet? Yep, bulletproof helmet. So, wow. you know, certain rounds, like nine millimeters, um, 45. So the bullet literally just bounce off the helmet? It will bounce off, but it will cause, his head will still get rocked. It, it'll oh, cause okay. a, a little trauma. Like, I'm like, But it will, it, it, it'll protect him, you know, if it's a bulletproof. But key to that, he's, he, he is operating from a per, a first person shooter situation where he has a GoPro um, mounted to that helmet. And that is tethered to social media. Hmm. And this is so key in the sensationalism um, of this particular video. He's talking to himself, you know, he's getting that liquid, he's getting that courage because he's only 18 years old, yo. Wow. And that's the video buffering by itself. That's not, not the computer, the video. All right. And you say he's, he was 18 years old. 18 really? years old. 18 years old, right? You know how much, just how engulfed you have to be at 18 to do something like this? Like, like how many hours of research did you do, of writing, Absolutely. of to convince your mind that this was okay? Because at 18, your mind is so like... You're still developing. Right, I'm like, it's all over the place, you know? So for you to hone in and focus on this... Right. For so long, it's almost like he's um, he's playing a video game, and that's you know in part that is how desynthesized desynthetized we have become, and and you know in a society um, where you can act out your fantasies in real time, but on the other end, uh, people are losing their lives. <clears throat> Um, you mentioned some of the equipment. What's the price range for like what he has on? Uh, you know, ballistic helmets, they could run anywhere from two hundred dollars to, you know, fifteen hundred dollars. For one helmet? For one helmet. You know, That's... some some of them are bump helmets that just protect your head against um blunt force trauma. Some of them are ballistic that protect your head from projectiles. The gloves we're looking at, you know, fifty to a hundred dollars. The AR-15, that's an entry-level rifle. So we're looking at, you know, anywhere between 500 to $600 for that particular wow. rifle. Each round coming out of that rifle, right? You're talking about, you know, maybe 35 to 50 cents. The magazines, $10, right? That's crazy. Right? The shoes that he has on, you know, might be more expensive than all the ammo that he has in the magazine. Um, his little gear get up that's uh the army navy store like you know he's dressing like a soldier in camouflage and it looks like a vietnam era uh camouflage and he's driving a ford mm. <laughs> so he's american american yeah right like red-blooded american like he gotta like go hard from the car right to the bushmaster i believe um um made that particular gun they're they're not even in, in the equation now so you know there's a question about uh, how long has he had that gun but i will say at 18 years old mm -hmm. legally you could purchase a rifle excuse me or a shotgun that, at 18 years old so you can purchase that ar-15 at 18, 18 years old at 18 Dang. rifle or shotgun it's only at 21 in most municipalities 
um, are you restricted in terms of purchasing a handgun? Because it's more concealable. But guess what? Some folks are getting around that by converting handguns into rifles. Yeah. And you could do that on the federal level. We call them SBRs, short barrel rifles. Wow. Yeah. So it's all about understanding um, the laws of your particular municipality. Mm. Mm. Um, so, you, you know, he's talking. Mm. To, so he's rolling up. He's rolling up now um, to the supermarket. He's scouting it out. He's dressed, right? He doesn't have any tinted windows. It looks like his window was down. So for, you know, the, the, the casual observer, if I'm looking at it, if I'm in the parking lot and I see somebody roll by in a tactical helmet, yo, that, that's kind of fishy to me, right? That's kind of fishy to me. So he's at the rear of the supermarket. He's starting to drive back towards the front of it. You could clearly see, um, his tactical helmet on to his right. He has his weapon system. So I wanted to pause it real quick because um, I didn't want to miss anything. So you, you were saying first step, you're in the you're in the parking lot. I'm in the parking lot. You see no tint on his car. He was visible. He's visible. Okay. And he's driving around the parking lot, right? This is all about situational awareness, mm-hmm. right? Keeping your head on a swivel. And unfortunately, most of us have our head in our phones. In our phones, <laughs> we have our head in our phones. In our phones. So, if my head's on a swivel. Boom! I turn. I see this. Right. What's what step do you take if you see if you catch it at this point? So we pause the jaw at the at the parking lot. Yeah. If I catch it at this point, two concepts: concealment or cover. Concealment is going to hide you. Right. Meaning bullets can still pass through your position. Cover is going to defeat those rounds coming at you. And I'm in a parking lot. So where's my concealment? Where's my cover? Right. In a parking lot, you have vehicles. So behind the wheel wells, behind the engine blocks. But don't go behind them doors Mm. because those bullets are passing through one side of the door hitting you on the other side, right? So directly, kind of like front of the hood of the car. kind of. Not like in that. front of the hood because bullets skip off of hoods mm. and will hit you. You want to be down in front of that front or pass or, or front passenger side uh, wheel well, right? Getting small, mm. you know, shrinking your, your profile. Or you want to be in front of the engine block because bullets are not going through engine blocks unless, you know, they're 50 cows, AP rounds. So that's what I would do. But you got to be careful too because we skip bullets up under cars to hit people on the other side of the car. Mm. Intentionally. We skip them off the pavement to get you. Right? Gotcha. So tactically speaking, that? that's what we look that's what I would be looking at. Mm. 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 So he just says to himself, going in. So he's parking his car right in front of the, the store, mm. right in front of people to his left. They're, they're loading his car up. They're loading their car up. So so, so let me pause it. So we, we caught him around the parking lot. We caught him around the parking lot. Boom. He pulls up to the front. Yep. Visible. He's here. That lady sees it. Was there anything she could have did? Because that's what I wanted Mm-mm. to ask you. No. That first lady, the way he hopped out. Nah, this is an ambush. Okay. Yeah, I'm like, there's this nothing a, she could have done. This is an ambush. 
before she could even process what was going on, she's hit, and you will see her fall. Mm. I roll it the rest of the video play. All right, so he did that. You hear that. Yes. You're in the store. Yes. What do you do? Situational awareness, right? You're in the store. From the sounds of those gunshots, it's not coming from inside the store, right? Mm -hmm. Because that sound is going to be different if it was inside the store opposed to outside the store. So now, if I'm inside the store, I'm running to the back. I'm looking for exit signs, right? By code in every municipality, they got to have exit signs highlighted, right? So people can see them. So now I'm heading for those exit signs, right? What That's if there's only one, the front? What if there's only a front exit and the shooter's in the front? That doesn't exist. That's against state code. That, mm. that does not exist. Any building that you go into, there will be exits, alternate exits, right? Mm. There may be one way to get in, mm -hmm. but there's going to be an alternate, alternate mm -hmm. way to get out. And every time you go into a building, whether it's a restaurant, whether it's a grocery store, right? Whether it's a department store, whether it's Apple, there's always an alternative A way exit. to get out. Okay. That's a code, mm -hmm. a fire code. So look for that, right? Mm -hmm. Look for that. Mm. Oh. So right now he's entered the, the store. Um, uh, and it seems like he has some type of training because he's just not walking into the store. He's clearing to his left. He's sweeping to his right. And even when he entered into the store, there was people down on the ground. There was people down on the ground that he actually shot again. Mm -hmm. And you could see their bodies joiting. Jo you could see them, the joint. Jolt, jolt, jolt. Mm -hmm. yeah, the jolt of their bodies uh, from the impact of those shots, right? He's not playing. So could that be training or could you play that much Call of Duty that you just, because I have a cousin that played, I mean, he, that, I, that move, that, that's when I realized it was like a video game for me because I've seen my cousin play and do that when he walked yeah. into a room. Well, we call that dry weapons training. Okay. Like mm. when you're in these type of simulations, right? Video games. Mm, simulations. In, in, in terms of my training and how I train other folks, it's called dry weapons training, right? And there's so many skill sets that you pick up through dry weapons training, whether it's video games or whether, you know, you've created a safe space in your environment to run through these scenarios and these drills without live ammunition, right? It's a whole skill set. Right. You know, part of our training, you know, is based on what we call the 80 20 rule. 80% of the skill sets necessary to become a proficient shooter and to maintain that proficiency happens outside of the range, bro. The other 20% is on the range, just, mm -hmm. you know, solidifying what you've already, you know, mastered. Mm -hmm. It's called dry weapons training. And that is what I see here. Mm. Right. Mm. So, He's continuing through the store and, um, you know, he's continuing to shoot people. And now he just reloaded. He just reloaded. And one of the, 
you could pause it here. One of the people who were on the, the one one of the sisters, because I've only seen I haven't seen any men no, at this seen. point in time. Like this coward. I haven't seen any men that was engaged at this point in time. He only shot defense defenseless women, mm. right? And that is what got me, you know, riled up, right? This sucker, right? This coward, right? And, and my thoughts and prayers go out to all the victims of this crime. He's continuing throughout the story. He just shot his first uh, guy. Now, pause it right here. This this is very important, right? We have a situation where um, we talked about concealment and cover, right? This particular person that we see um, on the screen, uh, you can tell he's a Caucasian male, and he's finding concealment behind a owl, behind a, a register. register, right? And when the shooter realizes that this is a Caucasian, he says, I'm sorry. So you you being in those high intense situations, right? It, if you're coherent enough to say sorry, what what does that tell you about his mental state during this? He was very intentional. Okay. Oh yeah, Th- no. this he, is not this he is, ain't crazy. This is not a crime of insanity, right? Anytime that you could have nigga, oh, right? Anytime that you could have nigga scribed on your gun, just to remind. Mm-hmm. Right. The people who are watching this atrocity just to remind them, you know, what we're about, you know, um, he needs the death penalty. This is a capital murder case. These are the cases that I defend. But not this one. He deserves the death penalty. Mm. He deserves a swift death, not 20 years from now. Now, let me ask you this. Um, what about the reports that came out and said that he was kind of canvassing the area before the security guard had engaged him before? Like, how, what, what? And I don't know if you really have an answer for this because this kind of goes to even with like the church shooting. You know, what, what, what should we be doing if we are all, we're all in this room right now or we all are chilling on the porch having a conversation? Right. A sketchy white person, and I'm saying white person on purpose because they always come into our spaces, but for some reason it seems like they can do it unchecked versus an Amar Arbery who was just jogging. Absolutely. And he gets totally accosted and taken out. I don't know if there's any advice. If you even could say anything, you know, it's just, is there any prevention, you know? I feel like. And I'm not the expert, but this is just what I personally do. This goes back to keeping your head on the swivel, Mm -hmm. like being aware of your surroundings. Like, I kid you not, I used to work for a company and I feel like we have to get to a place where we start listening to our bodies Mm -hmm. Um, because so often we're on our phones or we're not paying attention, but I make it a a fact if I'm going out somewhere I'm paying attention to what is around me because being five foot 11 and if I do have on heels I'm a six I'm over six feet 
And so I'm easily spotted. And I know if somebody going down, I might be the first one because it's hard for me to crouch down. You know what I'm saying? Like I can't really hide in, in public places. And so I'm always, I make sure I'm not on my phone. Sometimes I slip because I am human, but I make it a habit to not be on my phone. I make it a habit. If I do see a white person, I'm walking the other way. I get it. We live in an integrated life now, but I also, it's not that I'm afraid of that person per se. I'm afraid of what their privilege allows them to do. And so many people are like, oh, you know, like this white person live up the street. That's fine. They can live up the street. But at the same time, if they wanted you out of that community, if they wanted you bad enough, if they wanted to use their privilege for bad, I guarantee you, you would not have the privileges that you think that you have. And so I just constantly remind people, I'm reminding you all, keep your head on the swivel, okay? Not all white people are bad, but... They all have a certain level of privilege. No, because I get it. There are white people that, you know, they want to be conscious. They want to be cool. They want to be down. They want to go to the cookout. Okay, whatever. But I also know that you as a white person have an innate ability to use your privilege, turn it on, turn it off when you want to. And you can use it for my demise if you wanted to. You just woke up. You know what? I'm going to piss some black people off today. Mm. I just painted my house. Um... So I think I've talked about it on here with you all of me remodeling my home. I just painted it. And because my neighbors who are white did not like the color of it, they're coming checking the guy that's painting the house. This is literally two days ago. I'm getting calls from the guy painting the house. And he's like, ma'am, um, it's, it, it's a lot of people out here asking me if I'm supposed to be painting the house the right color. If I'm a witch, why is the house this color? They're they're literally because they have privilege. They feel the need to walk down the street, walk across the street and question my choice on what color I paint my house. Wow. Wow. (laughs) As if they're living there, as if they giving me any money for bills, as if they pay for the paint, like literally asking me, does she want to paint it another color? Is she sure she wants to paint it this color? Call her, call her right now and double check. It's called Cassidy. Mind you, this is not in Buckhead. This is literally in the West End and, and off of Cascade on the west side of Atlanta. Wow. <laughs> that's, off, that's off the hook. Yeah. And I see where you're at. I didn't even think any white people was over there like that. Oh, no. <laughs> right. Right. But they coming. But they came out. Yo, they, yeah, coming. they coming. They came yeah. outside for that. They came out. When I say, he said seven different people stopped by the house. Mm. Two of them were black. Mm. The other and the black people didn't say anything. They just rolled by. They was just, you know, being nosy. All the white people said something to him, stopped him in the middle of his work so much. He didn't even finish because people kept stopping him. He was like, I'll just come back another day. Yeah, that's probably why the black people stopped. Because I'm I'm that kind of black person. I see a lot of white congregation going right, on. Right. And I see like a, What's a brother on? in my middle. You know, I remember once I got stopped and a brother like kind of pulled slow. Luckily, I was just getting like a seatbelt ticket. I was going about my business. But he looked, he said, you. Good, bro. Right, right. I'm good, but good we had to start doing some of that. You know oh, what I'm yeah, saying? Just yeah. to checking, them, checking yeah. up on you know our brothers and sisters. You know, take nothing for granted, right? No days off. Mm. No days off, right? Always training, especially when you step out that house. When you step out that house, it's go time because you don't know if you're gonna come back. 
in these days and times. So, you know, we just got to stay vigilant. And, you know, you, you got to get with folks of like mind um, who, who are on one um, because we can't afford not to be. We cannot afford not to be, not in this day and in this time. I do know that before I was here, I took my little brother to see a movie. Um, and I had anxiety in the movie. So much so I purposely went to sleep. <laughs> because I just kept thinking, what if somebody comes in this movie theater? Right. Yeah, that has happened This is before. a. This yeah. is a... It's off of Camp Creek, the AMC off of Camp yep, Creek. Yep, this is a predominantly black area. Yep. And so to see this video and to have seen it previously with him targeting black mm. areas, mm. I personally was having a mild anxiety attack during the movie. Right. And I don't know. I was just so relieved to make it back to the car. Wow. Like, So how do I... What can I do, if anything, to to help subside that? Because, like I said, I keep my head on the swivel, but yep. sometimes so, the swivel can get knocked off. So in that situation where you're dealing with, you know, um, a theater-type setting, again, you're looking for the signs, right? I'm not sitting in the middle of the aisle where I got to cross all these folks to get out. I'm sitting at the top so I can watch Right, everything. so we were at the top, right. right. And I'm sitting to the far left or to the far right. My life is more precious than the middle. Or I might sit, when a movie starts, I might sit in the handicap, right? Because there's more space there. Mm -hmm. But you know there was a law this passed, right? Everybody gets guns. Everybody in the state of Georgia now of legal age can carry a gun without a permit. Man, let me see, Coach. You just messed up my movie experience. Did you go, just? Did you just understand? <laughs> did you understand what I just said? Yeah. A law was just passed. <laughs> it's called a uh, constitutional carry, right? And this is a law that is sweeping the country. Because Texas has it too, right? Sweeping the country. Okay, so can you explain that to me? Because it's like. If I'm going out to a restaurant or if I'm going out to a club and they check my purse and say I can't bring this gun in, then does the law carry? You get what I'm saying? Like, how is it that I, the law says I can, but you saying I can't, I can't, you know? Well, if the law says you can, you can. Right. And, you know, if, they, if they're saying take the gun back to the car, they can't take the gun. Right. Mm. But if they say take the gun back to the car, you know, take it back to the car. You know, live to fight another day, right? But you have to read the statute because you're not supposed to be drinking and be armed. So mm. it's not it's not a free for all. You can't just put the gun in your pocket, right? You gotta have a holster, right? Or you're in violation. So like it has to be visible. No, it don't have to be visible. Oh, it just has to be in the little and, and pocket a holster. Thingy. So there's a there's pocket holsters. There's all different types of holsters, right? All different types from ankle holsters to thigh holsters, you know, because, you know, you guys, women, mm -hmm. black women are the most versatile in terms of how, <laughs> how you dress and, and, you know, the swag, all that is there. Got a so, gun in my wig. Yeah, so guns, guns are everywhere. And we're more more so limited. Front lace holster. Right. <laughs> Shoot high heel holster. Right. Like, what, what the dudes do. Like what? Yeah, so... It's important to understand the law. It's important to get 
you know, a gun that you can actually handle. And then you have to train. You just can't get a gun and not be trained on how to use that. A gun is just a tool. It's just a tool, right? And historically, we, we have used these tools for sustenance, right? Putting food on a table. We have used these tools for defense, protecting ourselves, our family, our community, deacons for defense, right? We have used these tools to gain and maintain our freedom, right? When we look at Mama Harriet, when we look at Kathleen Cleaver, when we look at Ida B. Wells, these are all sisters who promoted the use of these tools when this society, when this government, when the authorities have denied us our human right mm. to survive, to live in peace and harmony. So you have to make a decision on what you're going to use your tool for because a gun is just a tool, just like a car is just a tool. It's all about the person behind that tool and whether or not it's being weaponized, right? Because a car can just as easily be weaponized as a gun can. Mm -hmm. It's about that driver who's behind, right? That tool. These are just tools. Damn. Mm. I think, first, I just want to thank you so, so much. Just knowing that we went to the same school. Like, that is so, oh, all good. that is so cool to me. And I know you're like. We're, we're both Panthers. Like, like I'm yeah, just yeah. like, <laughs> right, right, right. That was good. <laughs> It, hey, Coach been dropping those bars all, all night. Y'all the same on that too. All night, all night, all night. Like when I tell y'all, I am, I, I am filled with just like inspiration and filled with gratitude right now because so often, yeah, we're all fighting this fight. Absolutely. But so often we feel alone, you no know. Doubt. Um, and just to know that somebody went to Georgia State because I'm like Georgia State, they not about it for real. I'm just yeah, like. Yeah. Where the students at? You know what I'm saying? Where the students at? And, and you know, we, we gotta get we gotta get your audience, your sorority, we gotta get them out there on the range. I uh, I agree. So we got we gotta introduce them to proper training. Proper protocol. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So, um, so that they don't get caught, you know, slipping. slipping. <laughs> yes. Please let them know um where they can find your organization, what Arms if they wanna motion. join, how IG, IG, the best way to follow me. Right is on IG Arms in Motion G A A R M S I N Motion M O T I O N G A Arms in Motion G A or you could look me up right the National African American Gun Association the Bass Reeves chapter right we're the founding chapter of the organization 2015 over 150 chapters throughout the nation over 50,000 members. Come get some. I love that. Thank you all so, thank you for joining us today. And thank, thank you, you all for, for listening in on another episode of the Cool and Conscious Podcast. Brought to you by a Black-owned, Black-run company. Make sure you follow them, follow me, and we'll see you next week. I